You are listening to the Senior Pastor Podcast, where four giants of the Restoration Movement walk us through the issues facing the church today. Your four hosts are Bob Russell, Don Wilson, Ken Eidelman, and Scott Rollins. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor. With more than 7,000 investors, the Solomon Foundation is committed to helping the local church grow. When you partner with the Solomon Foundation, you get an excellent return while making an eternal impact. Start today at www.thesolomonfoundation.org. Welcome back to the Senior Pastor Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rawlings, teaching pastor of Christ Community Church in Portsmouth, Ohio. I am joined by Bob Russell, founding pastor of Southeast Christian Church, Don Wilson, founding pastor of Christ Church of the Valley, Scott Rawlings, founding pastor of Christ Community Church in Portsmouth, Ohio, and Ken Eidelman, the former president of Ozark Christian College and lead pastor at Crossroads Christian Church in Indiana. Well, this one, we're turning it over to Don a little bit and uh, to take the lead here. And Don, talk about what, what are you seeing in the church? I know you with Accelerate, so have you spent a lot of time studying this, meeting with people, meeting with ministers? I know you just recently, I believe, got back from Israel with a group of ministers. But what are you seeing? What are you reading? What are you seeing in the church today? Matt, I, I would say a lot of what I feel that I'm seeing in the church is a lot of what the stats point mm-hmm. out church attendance is continually going down. People's knowledge of the Bible is going down. Uh, Divorce rate between believers and non-believers is about the same. It seems like before COVID, we heard a lot of people say, come to church, come to church, come to church. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, COVID exposed a great weakness in the church. If there was one time we should have been sharing faith with our neighbors, that was it. But because we had never been trained how to share our faith, uh, we didn't make a difference in the community. And most of the preaching that I've heard since COVID is come back to church, come back to church. Well, if if people are just coming to church, that's not really the number one key to being a Christ follower. It's how are we held accountable. So I think we're pushing just attendance more than accountability. If I would say to you now, the majority of people that I'm talking to, to go to churches, not the preachers, mm-hmm. the word, and I know it, I know it goes in cycles. One time it's small groups and next time it's evangelism. Next time it's discipleship, right. all that sort of stuff. But I would say the majority of Christians that I know that I think are pretty strong people, they would say, you know what? We need to have stronger discipleship. It seems like people were getting them in the front door, but they're going out the back door yep. because they're not grounded. And many of them themselves feel like they're not being discipled, whatever you want that word uh, to mean. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I'm saying that I think until we come back to where the bar is different, a believer is going to be living to a higher standard than the world. We're not going to have influence in our culture. We've got to be willing to be different and be held to a higher standard. So maybe the question is, in the church today, are we missing accountability? I think we are. Are we missing obedience? All we're pretty much saying is give online and come to church. And I think there's way more than that to uh, changing culture. That's a little bit of what I'm seeing that probably others can speak into. Ken, what do you think? I think that uh, Christians are not as distinctive today. Get to your point, Don. Christians are not as distinctive we kind of want to find the common ground with everybody and we've we've gotten away from being a peculiar people 
zealous for good works, as, as Titus says. We've got to restore that challenge to our people to rise up, to outlive, and to outlove their peers out there in, that are in the world. It's, it's okay to, to come across as, hey, I'm no better than anybody else, but you ought to look different than uh, everybody else. So, uh, yeah, we've got to, I think, get away from this uh, false humility and begin to challenge people to live higher and deeper at the same time. Have we lapsed back into what was John MacArthur called just easy believism? Is that what we've lapsed back into or is worse than that? I think one of the things we've missed today is because the culture when I grew up was reinforced by biblical values. Now it's totally contradictory. I think we've got to get back to telling our people in the church going to Sunday school one hour or going to a Christian school is not going to combat 24-7 of the phone. Right. And so we've got to get back to modeling by parents and intentionally habits Deuteronomy 6. What are you doing in the morning when you get up? What are you doing when you go to bed? What are you doing as you see life lessons? We've almost got to be teaching our kids biblical principles intentionally or unintentionally 24-7 to compete with the news media and the cell phone. And I think most Christian parents don't believe we have to do that. And I think maybe in the church, we have led them to believe if you drop your kids off in Sunday school, mm-hmm. if they go to the youth group, if they go to a Christian school, they're going to be okay. I think it's going to take more than that today, the way our culture is going. Alan Algram is a great writer, and he's written a great piece coming out soon in the Christian Standard and under this heading of Reasons to Mope, Reasons to Hope. He gives 15 reasons to mope, uh, for, for leaders to mope, and 15 reasons for leaders to to hope. And he touched on the very things we're talking about here. Most of our strongest churches are now at best averaging about only 80% of their pre-COVID attendance. Church attendance is far more irregular with the average regular attender present only 1.5 times a month. Recruiting and retaining volunteers to faithfully commit is more difficult with few even willing to devote more than an hour or so to Sunday engagement. While the online church option has brought some benefit for those who are struggling or traveling, it has led to even further normalization of disengagement from face-to-face community. I think he's got his finger on the very things that we're talking about here. That's where the challenge is today, to get over this hump and get back to more vitality in our local churches. And I think it's going to take some bold preaching and, and, and teaching to help us get back in that direction. And, and we're going to have to be prepared for criticism to return to that topic, because I'm telling you, a lot of preachers I know are afraid to speak out on any hot topic issues, anything biblical that contradicts the culture, uh, because they know that a lot of people just get up and go down the street to the church down there who's willing to tell you how wonderful you are, how amazing you are, how much God loves you as you are, and all that other kind of stuff. I've seen it, unfortunately, in our church. And I'm telling you, for example, if you really want to, and I was telling somebody this early, this morning, but before we started recording, if you really want to make some people mad in your church, criticize the fact that they don't go to church on Sunday at times because their kids are engaged in sporting events on Sunday. To your point, they will get mad. The fear of criticism has led many to give up on consistently balancing messages with both grace and truth and instead have resorted to typically shouting acceptance and at best 
whispering repentance. Yeah, but see, I think what's changed since COVID again, before COVID, you could go online and listen to a sermon. Mm -hmm. But I, I believe most people that went to church, their primary outside of own, their own personal reading the Bible, their pastor was the one that they got most of their spiritual truth right, from. Right. I think because of COVID, you can turn on anybody, anytime, anywhere. Now I think we have people to stay home because they look at your sermon series and they go, I don't like that. I can watch it online from somebody else. Yeah. I think what people are missing today more than anything is the friendship fellowship component that you got to have through small groups. That's why the anxiety is so high. That's why the phone again, we're disconnected. Yeah. That is the component that we miss. You have it in the small church because when you have less of a hundred people, everybody know everybody. It's, yeah. it's That's the church I grew up yeah. in. We had fellowship. It was a small group on steroids. We just didn't know it. Right. But when you get in a mega church, you can go to church every week and never engage with anybody if, if you're not careful. And so I'm sensing that is probably one of the greater needs today is the idea of where some authentic relationships that I can pour into. It is a part of discipleship because it comes back to accountability. But that's one of the changes I see. The one shock over COVID for me was how much money churches had mm -hmm. after COVID. Churches had more money after COVID than they ever had before. On the other hand, the t tough one is it's hard to get them to serve because after not serving for two years, yeah. now it's hard to get them serving again. But almost, I'd say 80% of the churches that I've interacted with have more money now than they've ever had because online giving continued, but government money and programs, their expenses went way down. Right. Uh, so that's anyway, those are some of the things that I'm seeing. But basically, I think the fellowship component, I think people are starving singles as well as seniors even for these authentic relationships. Yeah. The COVID pandemic may have revealed how much we miss Sunday school because people experience fellowship at church through Sunday school. We replaced that with small groups, but those small groups met in homes. You know, when I was growing up, there were five or six signs that somebody was a Christian. They came to church, they got baptized, they didn't drink, didn't smoke, mm -hmm. and they tithe. Mm -hmm. You know, and those may be indicators, but they're not deepening evidences of, of a deep enough faith. The one thing that I think COVID revealed to me that was the most shocking was the degree of fear that people had. I was surprised at people who were absolutely petrified of death yep. and they locked themselves up for yep. a year or two and didn't show up and some of them were people who went to church every Sunday yep. and died and all of a sudden they were masked Nazis and six feet distance Nazis yep. and really concerned about catching COVID and it, it was surprised and disappointed at how many people were afraid. I think part of the solution is to ask more of people, the accountability that you're talking about. We, we need to expect more. Well, it's interesting here. I was looking at Thessalonians. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so that you'll not be dependent on anybody. That that's a, an expectation of believers that's real clear in Scripture. And I'm kind of riding that same pony that Rob, Bob was talking about when he said to expect more. 
I got a sneaking suspicion that in our efforts to get great numbers, we have inadvertently, inadvertently lowered the level of expectation for believers. I don't know that I can prove that, but it's just an observation. And then listening to you all, I think you're kind of nailing that. And, you know, the Apostle Paul, he, he actually says this in pretty clear language. He said, you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. Fish. And so some of it probably comes back to us, too. So I, I doubt if we can just ignore that. To evaluate ourselves on godliness on a routine basis and accept and just invite people, you follow me. I'm going to be so close to Jesus. If you follow me, you're going to be like him, too. We've all encountered situations in our church where someone could really benefit from support and talking with a therapist. Thankfully, God has provided individuals who are specifically trained to be therapists. And I am genuinely excited to share a fantastic option with you today from BetterHelp, the sponsor of today's episode. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and accessible, which is so crucial because finding a therapist can be quite challenging, especially when you're limited to local options. But with BetterHelp, everything becomes easier because it's an online platform. By answering a few questions, they can match you with a professional therapist in just a few days. Signing up and getting matched with a therapist is a breeze. Simply follow the link in the description, betterhelp.com slash 1801media. That's betterhelp.com slash 1801media. Not only does clicking this link support our channel, but it also gets you a 10% discount on your first month of BetterHelp. It's a win-win! You know, finding the right therapist is kind of like dating. Sometimes it takes a bit to find the perfect fit. But with BetterHelp, if you don't quite click with your initial therapist, no worries. You can easily switch to a different one for free without worrying about insurance or network restrictions. As Christians, we sometimes don't think of therapy as an option. But it's essential to recognize that there are people available to help us through difficult times. So I want to encourage you to consider this valuable option. Whether you need someone to talk to about everyday struggles, depression, anxiety, or any other challenges, if you or someone you know is struggling, I strongly recommend exploring online therapy with BetterHelp. Click the link in the description or visit betterhelp.com slash 1801media. That's betterhelp.com slash 1801media to get started. Once again, thank you to BetterHelp for supporting this channel. Let's all take a step towards better mental health and support one another on this journey. You're not alone, and there is help available. BetterHelp. 1 Peter 2, live such good lives among the non-believers that as though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Exactly the same message. And I look at the Great Commission and we all, we talk about making disciples, but okay, how do you make disciples? It's not necessarily more Bible study. He says, teach them to obey the commands I've given to you. And so if I look, my discipleship came from the accountability of my parents. Did you do what I told you to do? Right. You know, there, there was the accountability. And so, and, and if I look at all the demographics, the percentage of people that are single, 
44% of women age 18 to 59 are not planning on having children. Right. If, if we're not careful in the next 15 years, we're going to have a church of singles and old people that the whole children's ministry thing is going to change. And yet we talk today about how youth sports is almost a false God. Yep. Stop and think if all of the churches, the one I pastored included, because we had a phenomenal children's ministry, if we took out the children's ministry and said, as we did when I was a kid, sit with your kids in church and you teach your kids at home, we're no longer going to have children's ministry in our churches, your attendance would probably drop 70%. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, so I'm just saying I think this accountability in life change, not just coming every week, but what are we doing to apply the message and who's holding us accountable? That to me is only done through relationships with people. But again, in a lot of our small groups, they're studying Christian books. They're watching whatever they want instead of opening the Bible and applying the word of God. Because I find in my small group, we have no problem talking about scriptures. But when we say, okay, what are you going to do about it this week? It Mm -hmm. gets dead silent. Mm -hmm. We can debate the scripture, but we really don't want to be held accountable for change. That's what I think the church of the future is going to need. COVID had a watershed effect on our churches, not just attendance, but momentum. And I think during COVID, there was a lot of spiritual decline. Mm -hmm. People stayed home, watched TV. Most homes, they subscribe to all these networks that have all kinds of movies. And I don't need to tell you guys that you can't make a movie these days, it seems like, without the F word. And people's tolerance for language, for values that that are non-Christian, that are played out. You know, Ephesians 4 says that we should be not even talk about the things that are done in secret by unbelievers, let alone be entertained by it in our living rooms with in the presence of our kids. And just the, the corruption of the culture, growing acceptance of deviant sexual behaviors, that's, that's affected families. And it's, I think, affected the momentum of the church and the value of the church in people's minds. It's a very subtle kind of thing. But uh, look what's happened since when COVID. The whole LGBTQ thing is just taken off like a rocket ship around the country. Same-sex marriage and political correctness are just, it just seems like the pandemic, those, those things have all gone to the next level. And that has affected yeah. the, the health and growth of our churches. But I think it also points out some of the fallacy of our churches. Again, it's again, expo- it's come for 30 yeah. minutes yeah. and listen to a sermon and go home and do whatever you want to yeah. do. Right. And we're not telling them how to go to work and be change cultures where they live and, and where they where they work. That's it's, ex- it's exposed stuff, hasn't it? Yeah. I think it has. I do, too. Mm-hmm. I do, too. When's the last time that you heard anybody preach a sermon on self-denial in order to follow Jesus? And I know I'm a little hung up on that, to be honest with you, but it really troubles me because in dealing with people who have gone to church for a long, long time, if I had to give up this or if I had to give up that and and the scripture, (laughs) you give up even your very life. Jesus said, and that, who was it around here a while ago said, maybe it was you, Don, that said, want our cake and eat it too. And it, it's not supposed to work that way. Self-control is a, a fruit of the Spirit. It is indeed. I remember, because this has been going on for a while, but I do think that, Don, you're right, COVID has really brought this kind of 
separating kind of uh, the wheat from the chaff in some kind of ways. But I remember teaching on the Gospel of Luke, a men's Bible study. Luke has a lot to say about self-denial and giving, especially sacrificial giving. You know, Luke really pounds what you do with your money. And I was walking out and a guy in his now in his 60s followed me out to my car and said, what are you saying, that we should all just be homeless? Are you, do you have a nice place to live? And, you know, and he just started to tear into me. And I said, and finally, I just looked at him and said, look, buddy, I didn't write it. You know, take it up with Luke. But, I'm, but it's there. So it's been around for a while, this growing narcissism in our culture. There is a growing amount of just absolute narcissism. All you have to do is just drive through a Walmart parking lot and try to get a parking spot and see how everyone seems to think the whole world revolves around them. A podcast I listened to, uh, a behavioral specialist said that. He goes, in our culture today, all roads lead to narcissism. Last night's sermon on marriage talked about the direct connection between the acceleration of pornography and the acceleration of narcissism yep. in people. During COVID, you had people behind closed doors with their TVs and their Netflix subscriptions. And, you know, the, the facts are that during that season, that pornography, there was a steep rise in the use of pornography in the average American home. Yeah. I think that last, I think that he, that he had a fin his finger on it, that the, that la lack of um, discipline, moral discipline, mm -hmm. during the pandemic season has created a lot of narcissism in people. Yep. And just plain old-fashioned sinfulness that we already have. That we bottom all line, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know whether you all heard this or not, and I think I listened to it on one of the, maybe it was CNN, because uh, I like to hear what the bad guys are doing. One of them said for, that this past year was the first year in recorded history that more babies were born to unwed parents than were born to parents who were married. Did you all hear that? And, and I'm just quoting what I heard one of those programs say, and it, it, yep. and it wasn't some religious group. It was some people talking about the cultural situation, finances, I think, more than anything, what it's costing. I never thought I'd live to see the day. See, that's why I, I think where we get in trouble, though, you see, with, with the unchurched community is when we rail on LGBTQ and gender identity, but we won't preach on pornography or living together right. for those of you that call yourselves Christ followers. Sexual right. sin is sexual sin. Right. And so, and if you look today, I just heard recently that Nashville has become the second Las Vegas. Yeah. It has more bridal or what do you call them? You know, bridal parties, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Yep. And if you look at movie stars, you look at athletes, isn't it interesting? They're all living together and having kids. And then, oh, by the way, they're thinking about getting engaged and then, right. then they get married. So a lot of the heroes of our culture that are put out there, it's a blatant disregard for marriage and the family and an absentee of the father in the home. The, this is why I think the future, the breakdown of the family and the breakdown of marriage is going to have huge ramifications for the local church. Jesus talked about the man who had a demon in his house and swept it clean but didn't fill it up with anything. Right. And I think we can say, okay, these things are wrong. We need to get rid of them. But the counter to that is we need to ask more of people yeah. and fill it with something. One of the programs that some guys here at Southeast Christian devised a few years ago that really surprised me as to its positive response was called a DC program discipleship curriculum and it, it required like 
eight hours of study and involvement every week, and it involved memorization of scripture, reading the classics, daily uh, Bible reading, and it went on for 21 months originally. I thought, well, nobody's going to go through that. Well, the first time, three or four guys went through it, and at the end of it, they were so turned on to their faith, so ready to, and eager to receive leadership, that they recruited like 12 other guys. And eventually, there are hundreds of people who have gone through mm-hmm. this program now, and they see the evil of the world. Many of them want to be overcomers, but there needs to be something counter to that. And that if we challenge people and say, okay, it's going to take you 21 months, eight hours, we'll be surprised that, that uh, Jesus said, deny yourself, yeah. take up your cross and follow me. We had a young man in our church who addicted to pornography. You never would have known it, came to church, but he felt so guilty over it. But somebody challenged him look, why don't you memorize this passage in Romans 8 that talks about the, the mind of sinful men and the mind overcome by the Spirit. So he memorized that, and he began to have some victory. He memorized the entire eighth chapter of Romans. Mm-hmm. He was so victorious, he, went on, he memorized the whole book of Romans. And he had such victory, he memorized the Sermon on the Mount. He memorized the Beatitudes. Now he's working on Hebrews. Wow. And you say to him, quote Romans 10. Boy, I dislike that. Quote Hebrews. And he will look you in the eye and tell you he overcame pornography by the, the, the word of God. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against God. And when he gets up and gives this testimony at men's groups, it's challenging people. You can hear a pin drop in that. Now, does everybody respond favorably? No. Right. But I think we've got to be satisfied with a remnant who are deepening and the, the house isn't just empty. We're filling it with the fruit right. of the Spirit. And that's and that's what I was saying. In in like in Phoenix right now, yep. there's a ama- there's the amazing number of men and women doing their own discipleship groups, like you're saying. They're memorizing scripture and going through serious topics and Bible reading because they their churches are not doing it. Right. And so because they are asked for more, there is accountability with each other in the group. It's it's life changing. Matt, you ought to mention what your wife's doing in that area because it's really good. That's what she's challenging women prior to the, the, yeah. through the bold movement and through her academy and through her podcasts and lessons. That's what she's challenging women to do is to, to learn to study scripture, read scripture, memorize scripture, uh, know the the core doctrines of the Christian faith, know how to share the gospel with your coworkers and your friends and your neighbors. She challenges them to do that. She does that live at at, at our church on Wednesday. Wednesday nights, isn't it? And she sits down. One of the first things she did after going over the gospel was have the women pair up into two. So, okay, one of you be the unbeliever, one of you the other. How would you share the gospel with them? All righty. Well, we're about out of time for this one, so we will wrap it up. But thank you all for listening. I want to thank Bob Russell and Don Wilson, Scott Rawlings, and Ken Ottoman. And so we hope that you tune in for the next episode. And remember, when you're looking for wisdom, you go to those who have been there, done that. Thanks. This has been the Senior Pastor Podcast, a production of 1801 Media Incorporated. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. 